We're talking about um, Live to Give is the series, but it's really a series about money. Somebody say money. money. There, you got through that awkwardness. You're doing good. Uh, all, all week long, I was cringing just a little bit, to be honest. Uh, not only are, just the fact that you're just a very intimidating people to preach to, but, um, <laughs> but money makes people uncomfortable. And I think I'm going to tell you why this morning, at least one of the reasons why. But money makes people a little uncomfortable. And, and, and there's, there's going to be this awkwardness. So if you don't hoop and holler as much this morning, it's okay. I'm already geared up for it. I'm going to be my own, I'm gonna be my own best um, <clears throat> I'm just going to clap for myself now and then, if that's all right. <laughs> but I wasn't taught a lot about money growing up. I was taught that you earn money when you work. You're, you're going to get a wage, you know, and, and, and I was also taught that if you sell some product, you might get money. And then I was taught that money is to spend and to get things that you need and want. That's about the extent of my financial training. That was it. That's how I entered marriage. I entered, oh, oh, I learned somewhere along the way that you can get a credit card and buy things ahead of time before you actually have the money. You can actually, let's like, take out a loan every time you use it, right? So I learned to do that. So I came into our marriage with like $13,000 in, in a college debt. And, um, and that's not so unusual nowadays, but I had no plan to pay it off at all. I just was like, yes, let's earn more money. Let's work harder, you know, and, and I had no budget. Thank God for our premarital coaches that helped us make a budget and, and get Alicia and I on the same page. And I just thank God she married me anyway. Come on, somebody. But... <clears throat> <laughs> but I know, I know. I was just thanking God this week. Like, what? Huh? Surprised she married me. I was a mess financially. But um, but but with a little bit of a plan, with a little bit of a purpose, and us joining together, and Alicia's smart brain that God gave her, we got out of debt within the first. Is it the first year? I should have asked, clarified this. The first two years, we got out of debt completely. We're living debt free, and we paid cash. And we paid cash for a newer car, not a new car, but a newer car, newer than we ever owned before. And, and, and God started to show us what, how to think about money. And it was a long, hard journey, was it not, sweetheart? But, but thank God for his word, right? And thank God for his wisdom. It wasn't until we were married a few years that I really started hearing more about what's called the poverty mindset. The, our mentors that we met with at a time, we were just, we were just like going through some tough times again. My, my career, am I earning enough money to, to buy a house? Can I really sustain this kind of lifestyle? And, and money comes in, and just like that, it goes out. Anybody live like that? I mean, I think there's more money going out than coming in right now. And, and our, our mentors at the time said, let's break the poverty mindset, otherwise known as the poverty spirit. And I started to be trained on that. The Bible has a lot to say about a mindset of poverty. And I didn't really know that it was attached to me, attached to us, you know, from, from childhood on, because there's mindsets that I carried that I didn't know that I carried. And some of you are at the exact same place. You may not know that you carry a poverty mindset, but I'm going to talk about it enough today to, to just unravel some of it, enough to expose it, and then enough to get you free. Amen? I don't like talking about the devil unless I need to, but when I do, it's because you can get free from him. Amen. Amen. All right. So, so is everyone supposed to be rich? Okay, here we go. Somebody's already going, this is a prosperity gospel message. When are we going to get out our wallets, Pastor Vern? No. 
Now this, you know, I, I know that there's different levels of what we would call wealth, okay? I don't know that everybody's supposed to live in a multi-million dollar house with a pool, with a boat, with an airplane, with a yacht. I'm, I'm not saying that, but here's what I, I just want to give you some things that I do think about money and I think are godly ways to think about money before we dive into exposing the poverty mindset. Can we do that? Here's what I think. I think, I think as a child of God, we're supposed to be fruitful, Say fruitful. Now think about that word. Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them and said to Adam and Eve, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and govern it. Yes, he's talking about having babies. We always use it for that. Life, we got that down, by the way. <laughs> Y'all are doing pretty good in that area. <laughs> Come on, Kylene, let's do another meal plan. Somebody just had a baby last week, this week, next week. No, <clears throat> Y'all are doing pretty good. But I think it's a little more than just having children, as awesome as that is. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. We're called to be fruitful. And if it doesn't look like that, there might be something amiss. Later on in verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Somebody say much. Does that sound like a prosperity gospel to you? Uh-huh, yeah, it does. But I think that, that God in his nature says, I want you to bear much fruit. Would you keep a vineyard that doesn't bear fruit? You know, now, now there's seasons. Let's just say you did own a vineyard. There's seasons of pruning. It doesn't look like fruit at the moment. There are seasons of cultivating and seasons of fertilizing and maybe weeding and planting, and there's even seasons of waiting. But all that leads to harvest. It has to lead to harvest, and it should lead to much fruit. No one's called to stay in those seasons of weeding and planting. No one is supposed to stay in a season of pruning. And if you made that your life and agreed with that and say, this is now my life, you've missed it. Because that's supposed to be a season that you go through. Paul said in Philippians 4.12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. And Paul said, I learned the secret. Can I tell you this? I think Paul learned the secret of being fruitful in every season, and there wasn't a season that he was planning to stay in. E even in prison, he was writing letters to the churches, which we're still reading today. He was still fruitful in his mind when he was living in chains. Amen, somebody? I was raised on a farm, and no farmer has ever planted and then prayed for a mediocre harvest. Well, just give me enough to survive, God. No, you pray for the best. You pray for the most productive harvest, and you believe, and even if it's not so good this year, you still pray for the same thing next year. He will, the farmer will tend over it. He'll watch over it, but he's expecting fruitfulness. One of the Hebrew names for God, this is also what I believe, uh, and Jimmy mentioned this last week, one of the Hebrew names for God is El Shaddai, and it's found in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, and it means the God of more than enough. That is his name, that is one of, that is his nature. Every farmer prays for more than enough, enough to feed the cattle that I own, but enough to sell and enough to make some money on the side to buy a tractor next year. You see what I'm saying? Everybody, every farmer 
thinks that way, prays that way, and that's why it's used a lot in scripture. God is the God of more than enough. Good financial health. Am I going too fast? I have to plow through this, people. I only have a couple more minutes. All right. Get the, get the message later online. Get, good financial health equals growth. It looks like production, and it looks like fruitfulness. And if you look at your financial well-being right now, your financial, um, your, your bank account, earning money, spending money, are you seeing those things? Here's one other thing I believe about money before we move on. I believe everybody's meant to have some money to spend. Okay, we're very familiar with that. Everybody's supposed to have some money to give. Some of you are okay with that. You're like, it's been a while. been a while, Pastor Vern. And, and some money to save and invest. Why do I say that? Give, spend, save. And saving includes investing. Why do I say those three things? All three are in Scripture. You can find them all, all through the Bible. And if you're missing one of those, something's still amiss in your life. Well, I haven't saved a dime in years. Well, there's something wrong, y'all. Let's chase it down and break it off and believe for fruitfulness. Amen. Everybody should have money to spend, money to give, and money to save. These three basic things should exist in every believer's life because you're living with the Spirit of God. Now, one more thing. The Holy Spirit who is living within us is a generous, generous Holy Spirit in nature. He does not have a poverty mindset, and he's living in your head. (laughs) He's living within you. Psalm 51 says, restore me the joy of your salvation, King David says, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Holy Spirit is living within you, and he does not have a poverty mind. You're allowed to think the thoughts that you want to think, and you're allowed to believe lies that you want to believe, but the Holy Spirit in you does not and will not agree with a poverty mindset. Now, you still okay out there? Now, I want to expose the spirit of poverty, the best way that I can this morning, this could be, this could be multi-messages because there's so many characteristics, but I want to expose enough characteristics for you to go by so that we can expose it and knock it, and just, and knock it out of our lives today. Um, the first point I want to make about the poverty spirit or mindset is this, that it's not about your level of income. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah, you right away thought about countries like Haiti, didn't you? Oh, yeah, the poverty mindset. Absolutely, it runs rampant there, but not everybody living in in, in, in Haiti has a poverty mindset, maybe 99%, but it doesn't necessarily have to do with your level of income. It's how you think about money. I've worked, I've worked personally for some multimillionaires that honestly had a poverty mindset, and you, you'll see what I, what I mean when I, when I talk about the characteristics. So pay attention even if you have a lot of money right now in your pocket, in your bank account. The other thing I want to say about a poverty mindset is poverty is a curse. The main reason I say that is you lack the necessary resources or finances to accomplish that which God has created you to accomplish. That could be something big. It could be something small. It could be something million-dollar-ish. It could be something $100-ish. But you lack the basic finances to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish while you're here on earth. It prevents generosity, and it brings barrenness to your life. And God wants fruitfulness, not 
barrenness. Proverbs 24, 34 says, so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. It's talking about a thief. The thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy is talked about right here again like a prowler, someone who comes to take. Psalm 34.10 says this, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. I love that verse. Those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Do you know that God never lacks anything? And when we put our trust in him, which we'll talk about a little bit more, we're not called to live a life of lack. Is there seasons? Absolutely. Most people experience a season of something here or there. But it's not our calling. It's not where we're supposed to park. Poverty is not from God. It's not his will. It's never spoken of as a positive thing in the Bible. Amen. Now, here's 15 characteristics. I got to run through these pretty quickly this morning for time's sake. But um, 15 characteristics of the poverty spirit. When I was putting this together, it sounded like the Jeff Foxworthy comedy actor. It's like, you might be a redneck if. Then I would go down the list again. You know, y'all, I think he's one of the funniest guys out there. In case you don't know Jeff Foxworthy, he's just, he, he makes fun of rednecks, of which I was one and maybe sometimes still am. Uh, you like, like he says things like, you may be a redneck if you've spent more on your pickup truck than on your education. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. It, if birds are attracted to your beard, you might be a redneck. Right? <laughs> I, like, I like this one. I like this one. If you've ever financed a tattoo, <laughs> you might be a redneck. That's how he talks. So <laughs> I got to get you laughing before I get all serious. <laughs> anyway, that's pretty funny. I don't care who you are. But <laughs> I've never financed the tattoo, that's for sure. I'm not that redneck. <laughs> oh, but as I, as I go through this list, what it, what it feels like is you might have, I might have a poverty spirit if... All right, and I want you to listen to it that way because I'm gonna go through them rather quickly, but I want you to identify where the enemy has laid hold of an area of your life, mainly the pocketbook, and get free from it, amen? Then we're, then we're gonna pray a prayer at the end for freedom. Number one is I live in fear, and this is probably the foundational one, to be honest, and all, most things sort of have a root in fear, I have legit fear regarding finances, fear of not having enough, fear of using it wrong, and fear of being taken advantage of, a fear of failure, and a fear of lack, fear, fear, fear. It keeps me awake at night, and on and on. You might have a poverty spirit. Can I tell you this? Fear is faith in the wrong thing. You're quite a, you're quite a person of faith, but it's in the wrong thing. Fear makes you weird. <laughs> fear makes me weird. Fear makes us say and do strange things, and fear is not often rational. Fear is often the root stronghold that feeds all these other characteristics that I'm about to mention because we make decisions and we even make plans out of fear. Number two, you might have a, I might have a poverty spirit if I have a deep-rooted sense of inferiority. I'm not good enough, and I'm, a, I'm unable to achieve enough. Excuse me. I always notice those who are better than me, richer than me. Most of the time, I feel less than. I especially feel inferior to others who have more money or stuff. 
you might have a poverty mentality. Number three, I have a perceived inadequacy. I'm not qualified, not educated, not trained, not able, don't usually feel adequate or okay for the place I'm in or the place I would really like to be in, especially financially. Y'all still breathing? Number four, it's normal to lack money. There's never enough, rich or poor, <laughs> by, the, by the American standards. I'm always late in paying my bills. I seem to have a restricted ability to advance financially. No matter what I do or how much I earn, it's never enough. Always feel like there's, there's uh, funds lacking. Amen? By the way, by the way, as I was going through this, I think that, that Alicia and I experienced most of these at one time or another. I don't want you to feel like I'm pointing my fingers at you because if I am, there's three pointing back at me and I've, I've worked through all of these things at one time or another. Number five, I'm a hoarder. Whoa, there's a TV show for you. <laughs> hoarding mentality. By the way, hoarding is not linked to saving and investing. That's biblical because you're planning to, to reap a fruitful harvest from that, right? But hoarding means you just have stuff. It's also really based in fear. It's just you accumulated stuff that you're afraid to get rid of because you might need it someday. And you just can't part with your stuff. You can't donate it. You can't even have a yard sale. Some people are just really, really uh, have, have a hard time with all their stuff. Elise's wonderful, wonderful grandmother. What does she live to be like? 96. Amazing, amazing granny. And, and, and we, we actually had her living with us for a while, but she accumulated a farmhouse full of stuff. Egg cartons, jars, things that had really honestly no value anymore and, and boxes and boxes of unused Tupperware and containers and kettles for the kitchen that she never used in literally decades, never took them out of the brand new box. And so she, she passed away and there was just a tremendous amount, a tremendous amount of work to be done cleaning, cleaning that house. And um, she just had stuff that she couldn't part with. She came through the Great Depression. You know, a lot of you have heard stories about the Great Depression back in whenever it was and, and just lies of the enemy attached to that fear. It's based in fear. I can't move stuff along. I, I got to brag on my wife. She goes through our house at least once, sometimes twice or three times a year and goes, getting rid of this, getting rid of this. And I'm really, you're at it again, getting rid of this, getting rid of this, you know, and I, I gladly haul stuff away. I'm not real fond of yard sales, but I love hauling stuff away to donate. That is a favorite thing of mine, um, <laughs> but she will keep things moving along. She'll clean out drawers. She'll clean out our, our clothes um, closets and things like that. She just loves moving stuff along. She's the furthest thing from a hoarder that I've ever met, and so amen. Love you, honey. Six, number six, I'm filled with insecurity or fear regarding the future. You might have a poverty mentality. I have a sense of foreboding. Do you know what that word means? I'm expecting bad to happen. The earth will explode. This world is getting worse. Why would I save or spend wisely or invest? Why would I even think about college when there's going to be a zombie apocalypse? You know, this world's coming to the end, right? <laughs> Why build a business? It's all going to be damned, and all that's in my future is death, hell, and destruction. I told you in a previous message, we're talking about, about the end time. There's some books I just threw away, because all it is is fear of the future. 
And I'm not saying there's not some, some, some awesome and scary and tremendous things going to happen at the end times. And we're living in some of those days, I'm convinced. But nevertheless, fear is still not supposed to govern God's people. And fear of the future should not be part of a Holy Spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. And when you think about the future, we're supposed to plan, we're supposed to save, we're supposed to act, you know, it says people will be um, being given in marriage all the way up to when Jesus comes. So plan for your future, you know, build a family, um, save for the future, invest a little. Number seven, I'm filled with hopelessness. I might have a poverty spirit if I'm always filled with hopelessness. I don't have hope in my circumstances, my life, my future, my finances. I do not have faith, and I don't trust myself, others, or God. Number eight, I'm always a victim. These just keep getting better and better. I'm just digging deeper and deeper. The next one's even better. I'm always a victim. I have a victim mentality. I see difficult circumstances often as God's judgment. God and others are out to get me, to make my life miserable, to trip me up, to test me, to cause me to stumble. I'm not the head, but I feel like the tail. I'm not a leader. I'm a slave to the system. I can't do anything about it. I'm a victim. And always will be a victim. Now, last night, Alicia and I went to see Newsies musical. Anybody like Newsies? <laughs> we were at the Effort of Performing Arts Center. It was really, it was really cool. I, it's one of my favorite, and 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 it's always been kind of like the only musical that I really like, to be honest. But it has a tremendous message of of victimizing these kids that were selling papers in New York City, you know, and then charging them more money for their papers, and they couldn't they couldn't sell enough papers to make a living, even feed themselves. And so they rallied and 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 went on strike. And you, you just gotta watch this; it's really inspiring. And of course, they changed the entire culture of their day. Honestly, they changed the entire face of the United States after that. Is what happened. Because they said, no, we, we demand to be treated fairly. But what happened is these kids, most of them homeless and living in orphanages that sold papers, said, I'm no longer your victim. And I can do something about it. And they did. And it's a tremendous story. I don't, I don't much like the idea of unions now and what they've become. But back then, they were, they were desperately needed in that day and age because people were just abusing their employees. But anyway, anyway. You're, you don't have to be a victim or stay a victim or, or develop a victim mindset, even if you are sometimes treated unfairly because that's part of life, is it not? Number nine, I'm self-centered, selfish. I take care of number one. Number one is not God or my wife or my family. It's me, myself, and I. I think mostly about my own needs, wants, desires, and make plans to fulfill this first. And I enjoy conversations about me. <laughs> Everything I do is for me and about me. It's also called, the extreme version of this is narcissism. And I've been learning more about this because I've been hearing this word a lot more. And it's, it's really classified as a mental illness. But that's the extreme version of it. But honestly, don't all of us have a bit of self-centeredness that we have to battle, right? I'm not saying you're not supposed to love yourself. But there's a spirit then that takes over of self-centeredness where you really don't care much about other people. You're doing it all for yourself. Number 10, I rationalize inappropriate behavior. It's never my fault. I know what I'm doing may not be ethical or moral, but God understands because of the situation that I'm in. I can't tell you how many times I've heard this as a pastor. I'm telling you. I'll just take this small item 
I'll steal this pen. I'll steal this notebook. Or large item. I'll just fudge the numbers so it gives me more of my paycheck. Or I'll just excuse why it's okay for me to cheat on my taxes, defraud a customer, or lie to cover up my dealings, my earnings, or my reports. I rationalize inappropriate behavior because I feel like a victim and I have a poverty mindset and God understands because he knows how poor I am and how struggling, how much I struggle right now. Number 11, I think about money day and night. (laughs) Come on, somebody, you might have a poverty mentality if you can't think about much else than money. If someone thinks about nothing else but getting their next alcoholic drink, you know they have an addiction to alcohol. Same with a sexual addiction, same with a drug addiction, and it's absolutely the same with money. You think about it all the time. It's become an addiction. I think about money all the time, whether I have a little or a a lot. I wake up and go to sleep thinking about it, how to get more, how to spend less, how to get rich quick, et cetera, et cetera, and I can't stop thinking about money. And I've seen some very, very wealthy people in my lifetime, and I've worked for some of them, that honesty can't have a conversation unless it's about money because there's still something attached to their lives that's living in fear, it's rooted in fear, and it's become an addiction, and they honestly can't think about much else anymore. Whether you have a little, I've met some very poor people that can't talk about anything else except money and how much they don't have. (laughs) So it can hit all of us no matter where we're at financially. Number 13, 12. Thank you. I'm scrolling too fast. Number 12, I despise the rich. Ooh. I view those that are rich to be crooked, swindlers, evil, greedy, or slave masters. I feel insecure around rich people. Some of this was was present in my family. I didn't even really think about it much until I was well into my adulthood. I went, "Why, why do I think that all multimillionaires, something like that, tend to be crooked people. Where does that come from? I never, I never worked for a poor person. No, no poor person's ever given me a job. Right? Abraham was very wealthy in the Bible. Joseph, how about King Solomon? <laughs> You're gonna have to spend eternity with some of these people. You might have to meet them and shake their hands someday. Those who God appointed for various reasons to fulfill a calling or a mandate, some of them were filthy, stinking rich, and God liked it. Number 13, I think others who are better off than me owe me a living. Somebody say, oi. (laughs) I'm going to spend a little more time on this one. I like this one. Rich people should pay for my stuff. Someone more wealthy than I should pay for my living expenses, my college. Come on, political candidate. I can't say his name out loud. My housing, my medical care. Someone should pay for my smartphone, my food, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Someone somewhere owes me a living just because of the simple fact that they have more than I do. You bought into a poverty mindset for sure. Some people see this as a type of modern-day socialism. It's actually rooted in the demonic spirit of poverty. This generation is starting to scare me, y'all. It's starting to sound really crazy. (laughs) 
I'm pausing because I'm like, whoo, I'm just digging at our culture now that's all around us. You can't turn on the news without hearing this garbage. And it's honestly rooted in a demonic spirit of poverty, and it's not from God. You can call it socialism or a type of socialism or whatever you want to call it. If they didn't call it that, they'd call it something else, but the root of it is still the same. Let me just say this before I move on. Some of you here are like that weird uncle that shows up at every family reunion and he eats himself sick, he drinks all the wine, but he never brings a thing to place on the table that he's eating from and contributes nothing and never plans to. Because there's a mentality that said, it's for the rich to provide this or that or the other, and it's people that are better off for me. The, the weird uncle mentality says, I don't have a wife, so therefore, why should I do some cooking? Let the families, let the ladies do the cooking. I don't need, I can't, the, the weird uncle, and some of you are the weird uncle, but all of you know someone like this. <laughs> Everybody knows someone like this, where it's like, I wanna come, I'm gonna show up, I wanna partake, and I love eating, and I love drinking, but I'm not even gonna bring as much of a, as a bag of corn chips and a little bit of salsa. It's not up to me to provide anything. Oh, I love participating, and I love all the benefits of that, but I can't, I, I really can't contribute a thing. Come on, somebody. And I went to, I have a little story before I move on, it's just this weekend, it was a busy weekend so far, wow, but well, Friday night, we went to Dominic's end of the season soccer party with his coach and all his teammates um, from a New Covenant Christian School, and um, the, 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 the first year we went to this, and I, we didn't know what to expect, and I don't know these people so well, because our first year in this, in this soccer group, and this, in this school, and, and um Dominic and I are, we're ready before Alicia. That's not unusual. Sorry, you know, but, but she's got a lot on her plate. So we're just doodling in the truck, waiting for her. And we're halfway there. We're halfway, almost there, actually. And, she, and Alicia says to me, did you remember the food? Where's the food? And I went, oh, Oh, I feel so stupid. You know, we were, we were ready. We had nothing to do but just wait for Alicia to come out. And we forgot this amazing apple pie that Alicia bought with whipped cream to put on the top. And we had to bring a drink. So there was a drink in the fridge all ready for me to grab. And I just didn't grab it. I just, phew. any husbands relating to me right now? That's us. Oh, my gosh. That's us. God forgive us. God help us. And, and so we had this really little quick discussion like, should we just go anyway? Should we, should we just go back home? And, and quickly in my brain, I said, there's absolutely no way that I'm showing up to a potluck empty-handed. I will go home and pretend that I forgot about the party, or I will apologize and say, sorry, we couldn't make it. Something came up. The husband was stupid, but, <laughs> but there is no way that I'm going to show up to a potluck and eat the food on the table and not bring anything to put on the table. And so, quick change of plans. We Googled the, quick, the, the closest grocery store north of Lebanon somewhere. And we're like, okay, quick detour. Ran into the grocery store. Poor Alicia bought the exact same things that she bought earlier that day, which I had forgotten. And we showed up just a little bit late to the party and placed it on the table. It's amazing, though, because that dessert, that dessert was gone. I mean, that was devoured. And, and I'm thinking, yeah, 
you know, I, I, I can't do it, y'all. I, the Holy Spirit in me says it's unethical and immoral to always come to the banquet table, to always come to the potluck, and that's what this is. This is a church. We are what, what you bring as, as far as the people. Your giftings, your callings, what you bring to the table, that's what this is. It's, it's really a potluck. And if you want to feel part of the family, you want to feel part of the potluck, you can't do it so well without bringing something to the table. And if you don't, you got the weird uncle mentality. And it's called, and it's called a poverty weird uncle mentality. All right. I'm going to say one more thing before I move on. I'm spending a lot of time on this one. This church will only advance as far as your generosity will allow. Amen. Amen. Now reach into your pockets. And, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. <clears throat> oh, I'm kidding. All right. 14. Let's move on. <laughs> Love you guys. 14. I dream of winning the lottery. It's really hard to win the lottery when you don't play the lottery. But um, <laughs> instead of, listen, instead of, I would love to be able to give a few million dollars. You can't get any further than I'd like to win a few million dollars or get a few million dollars. I dream of getting, but I don't dream of giving. I dream of receiving in order to be blessed, but I don't have a dream to be one of the biggest contributors or givers in my community. That hasn't really crossed my mind. You just might have a poverty mentality. Because you stopped and you feel hindered in that area. I just want to get wealthy, but not necessarily to be a blessing or participate in funding this move of God. I'm a consumer. Number 15. Whew, he finally got to 15. Dear God, help us. Number 15 uh, is, is this. I always buy the cheapest thing. I just want to dig at that just a little bit. I complain about the prices of everything. I use words like, I can't afford that. I'll never be able to afford that. What do y'all think? Money grows on trees, you know, stuff like that. Well, if you own an orange orchard, money kind of does grow on trees. But <clears throat> now there's a story, Alicia and I, when we, we realized that we had some poverty mindsets that we were living by, we, we started to take steps to get free from it. One of the things that we did is we, when it, we were first married, and of course this is where we were financially too, we had old vehicles. And, 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 and that's fine. If you have an older vehicle, that's fine. Except that our older vehicles were in the garage. It seemed like more than they were out of the garage, right? And I was always living. I'm like, is it going to break down on her? Is she going to be able to get to the grocery store? There's kids in the truck, and now they're broken down along the highway. And I was always living in this constant, like, fear. Like, do we pay for AAA, you know, to, to come and rescue her all the time? You know, and, and, and it just got really old, and we needed a new vehicle, and we looked at our finances, and we felt led by the Holy Spirit to get a loan out, this went really against my grain because I was convinced we could pay cash for our vehicles, and we did up until this point, to get a loan out and get a newer vehicle. And, I, and we suddenly had a different kind of faith that said, you don't have to settle for just the cheapest thing every time because the cheapest thing in the long run ends up costing you more money. It's expensive to live in with a poverty mindset. You buy, I thank God for Walmart, the dollar store. Thank God for Payless Shoes. Actually, I think they went out of business. But 
You know what I'm saying? But if you buy the cheapest thing every time, you will buy more of them during your lifetime and spend more money on that thing in your lifetime than if you bought something just a little bit better quality and it lasted for a long time. And that's exactly what we stepped out of when we finally bought our first minivan for all of our kids. Man, she did her research. She's like, look at these consumer reports. This is the best van out there. And I I was was like, wow, you've really done your homework. We said, we're going to go buy. We got an awesome deal right off of a car lot. The first time we ever bought a vehicle off of a car lot and got a loan from a bank to do it. We could make our payments. It just went against my grain. You know, just we we were fine. But that, I, I kid you not, I don't remember that van being in the garage. Except for inspection, of course. I don't remember it ever breaking down on you. And it helped us to say, God is okay with us living fruitful. And he's providing everything we need to feel fruitful. And I'm going to work, and I'm, going, I'm not worried about her breaking down along the road anymore. Thank God that we're getting free from a poverty mindset. And I'm not picking on you if you have an older vehicle. I, I hope you hear my heart. Yeah, I just hope you hear my heart in that. Now, now there could be more in- indicators. It's enough to expose the poverty mindset, the poverty spirit. There's lies that hold us back from being fruitful, productive, prosperous, and having all that we need to fulfill the call of God in our lives. And, and we could go on and on, but I think it's enough to expose what I'm talking about because the poverty mindset uh, makes us do and say crazy things. Now, let's finish this up. What should I do, Vern? Are there steps to freedom? Yes. Yes, let's, let's do some steps to freedom. Uh, number one, number one step to freedom today, and I only have four of these. Number one, repent. Somebody say repent. You know, the meaning of repentance is to change your mind, otherwise known as to think differently about these things. If you look back at the root of that word, that's what it means, to change your mind. Romans 12, 2, these are some verses that you should commit to memory. Romans 12, 2, from the New Living Translation, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Changing the way you think is called repentance. Because as you think in your heart, so are you. When you think differently, you act differently. Amen, somebody? Number two, step to freedom is expose fear. Fear, again, like I said, is often the main root of all these characteristics that I just talked about. We live in fear with money, and that's what makes it awkward to talk about. I kid you not, all week long I felt awkwardness, even getting this message together, because money talk makes everybody awkward. And sometimes people go, say, say, say crazy things and, and send me crazy emails. But um, anyway, <clears throat> go for it. Um, 2 Timothy 1.7, here's just a simple verse. Not simple, it's a powerful verse. But I think what I meant by that, it's a common verse perhaps. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's something to quote over yourself and to say of yourself, and look in the mirror and say it to you. God's not giving me a spirit of fear. God's not giving me a spirit of fear. Where does fear come from then? If it's not from God, (laughs) comes from the enemy. Number three, cultivate patterns of giving that are rooted in faith. 
Proverbs 11, 25, and, and Hannah, Hannah was praying into this apparently in, in pre-service prayer. Proverbs 11, 25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It says the generous will prosper. Those of, those of us that have tapped into the generous nature of the Holy Spirit and enjoy giving and enjoy bringing something to the potluck, enjoy you know, giving of what we have, but today we're talking about money because it absolutely includes your money. Cultivate patterns of giving. Decide what that looks like. Go home and talk about it with your spouse, with your family. Number four is this. Trust in the Lord as your provider. Not others, not your bosses, not your government, not your church. You trust in the Lord as your provider. Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And yes, of course, sometimes he does that through people, amen? But God is our provider, and we need to return our trust to him and say, God, I'm not gonna live by with a poverty spirit. Why? Because I trust in you to provide all my needs. Would you stand with me this morning? Come on, people. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Just speaking to anybody today, raise your hands. I want to, can I see your hands? Amen. A lot of you. Good. Amen. Okay, good. Thank you. That makes me feel better. Thank you. Good. <laughs> I have a confession. I, I have a confession that I wrote that I believe the Holy Spirit gave me. And, and I, I, like, I like to do this thing where, where you repeat after me. But I think declarations and confessions are really powerful. It gets it out of your mouth and makes it come alive. And there's anointing in that and agreeing with God in it, amen? But I don't want you to pray this unless you, you're agreeing that you need it because I don't want you to take something on you that I'm declaring should be on you. If it's not on you, don't pray this. It's a prayer of freedom from the poverty spirit. And if it's not you, then you just, you know, pray for the rest of us quietly. But if, you, if you're agreeing with this and you need some freedom in this area, you've discovered a, a mentality hidden somewhere, then pray this along with me, amen? Let's say in the name of Jesus Christ, I expose the spirit of poverty that has attached itself to my life. I break it off. I crush every lie of Satan. I cast away every demonic mindset of fear and poverty. I repent. I change my mind. I receive your forgiveness for believing lies of poverty and giving in to fear. Jesus, heal my mind. Heal my life, heal my family, and heal my finances. I ask you, Jesus, for seasons of fruitfulness in every area of my life. Teach me to cultivate a spirit of generosity. Even as you, Jesus, have generously given your life for me, I choose this day to trust in you, Lord, 
I choose this day to trust in you. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Some of them. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. Some of you are feeling a freedom inside of you that you haven't ever felt. You just got free from something. It can be that simple. Then it didn't take much for someone speaking the truth over my life to go, whoa. Well, you know, the, the, the demonic roots are rooted in a lie. That's it. Right? There's a lie that's holding that thing there. And once the lie is exposed, it brings freedom. Amen. Well, every Sunday, we, want, we never want to close a service without giving you an opportunity to give your life to the Lord. We want to do that. We want to do that before we leave here. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I want to know this generous God that you talk about, the God of more than enough, who is he? The Holy Spirit that comes and fills your life, the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ that comes and fills your life with the spirit of generosity. Jesus Christ, who gave everything that he had to die on the cross, he gave 100% of himself. He said, I give my life. I love to heal the sick. I love to raise the dead. And he gave and he gave and he gave so that you could have life and life more abundantly. Number one, you could have freedom from the bondages of sin. You could experience his forgiveness. You can experience an abundant life. Yes, there's hard times. Yes, there can be some rough times. But when the Holy Spirit is living within you, it can end up in fruitfulness anyway. If you're here this morning and you're like, I really need to start and begin and say yes to Jesus, I want you to shoot your hand in the air. All eyes closed just for a moment. You shoot your hand in the air. We just want to pray with you. We're not going to do anything else except pray with you right now. Shoot your hand in the air real, real high so I can see it. We're going to pray with you and say, I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. All right. Amen. Let's pray. Let's all pray together, can we? Say, dear Jesus, I repent of all my sin. I need your forgiveness, and I receive it now. Thank you for eternal life that I can live forever with you in heaven. And thank you, Lord, for filling me with your Holy Spirit to live a godly life and especially a generous life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody, let's thank you again, Lord.